What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm your boy, Jimmy J, joined by my three guys across the board, Kyle Sirik, Stat Matt Robinson, and then he's just a, a regular back in the rotation now. My man's Jake Galley. How are we all doing today, guys? We ready to make it happen today? Today's a good day for a lot of reasons. Today is a really good day. Today's a new a new day in America, but you know we, we won't we won't we'll te- we'll keep politics out of that for Six now. Celtics because... tonight, guys. There you go. That's that's the reason it's a good day. But a reason it's a, it's been a good week for me is y'all know my team in the NFC Championship game. I'm gonna say it one more time. My team in the NFC Championship game. It's taken me a little bit to really like you know grasp the fact that the Bucks are one of the final four teams standing in the NFL. It's it's a, a tremendous feeling. But we're gonna get started with we're talking about. I'm legitimately uh, happy for you, James. Like you uh, should be. You, like even though I, I know no, that no, no, feeling. No. Like when you when you make the NFC title game, it's like oh my god, we're one win away from the, from Super, the Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. Kind of, it's, like it's, the, such it's a great, funny exciting, because. There's, there's a difference between like how far you think you are when you're the, in the divisional round to how close you realize you are when you're in the championship game. Like there's there's a, a big line that separates that. But Matt, me and you were going at it today on Twitter because I don't like how he doesn't give Tom Brady his flowers. Like I don't like how he tries to just, you know, scream his failures and whisper his co- accomplishments like that. So me and Statman had to go at it on Twitter today. So we'll, we'll get a lot of that out. Uh, in the episode today. Um, but the fact straight at you is this. This is the first home NFC Championship game of Aaron Rodgers' illustrious career. First ballot Hall of Famer. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers. It's the first time he's going to find himself at home in the NFC Championship game. And it's against the Buccaneers. So I think for this podcast, the, the, the best thing that we can do is go between each game, these two games, and identify like the best matchups that we see in these two championship games. Because it's more than just Packers versus Bucks. And Bills versus Chiefs. There's there's individual matchups within these that really present some great talking points. So we're gonna we're gonna flush that out. And the first one is something that I talked about last week that I said I was gonna be you know really afraid of if we did beat the Saints. And that's my passing defense, the Buccaneers passing defense against the Packers offense. And that's really in particular the Buccaneers secondary, the corners versus Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. That that's just gonna present a whole lot of matchup problems. So who cut like where what where's the matchup there? What what presents you know the, the biggest advantage for those teams? Yeah, I, I think James, um, for your Buccaneers, the good news is that when these two teams matched up in the regular season, the Bucs handled them handled. easily. I mean, the Packers got out to what was it, a 10 0 lead? 10 0 lead, um, and then we scored 38 on answer. I mean, that has, I mean, that doesn't make you feel good heading into this bit. That make me feel a little bit. I actually forgot about all that until you said that just now. So that actually does make me feel a lot better. The Saints yep. beat the Bucks 38 to 3 after that game was played, and then they got, did nothing in the playoffs. So it, regular season doesn't always dictate how the postseason will go. I think this is going to be a close one. Yeah. yeah, that game, by the way, was the only time this year that Aaron Rodgers had a passer rating lower than 91.6. That game, he turned in a 35.4 passer rating. But I do think that's going to be the most pivotal matchup. I don't know if there's a decisive edge there, but that Buccaneers front seven is going to have to be able to get in on Rodgers, knock him down. When the Packers struggled a couple years ago and Rodgers ended up getting hurt, uh, the reason that that offense didn't click partially was because they couldn't keep Aaron Rodgers upright. When you're facing a great quarterback like Rodgers, that's where you have to start. Yeah, for I sure. Think, I think um, Devontae Adams is going to have a day. I, I don't think anyone has really tried or anyone has successfully stopped him yet. Jalen Ramsey did okay, and that's one of the best corners in the league. You're not going to see that on the Buccaneers defense. I think this game is going to be a lot on can the Buccaneers get turnovers mm-hmm. I, I do think it's going to be that offensive defensive matchup we're talking about but you're talking about a team in the league fifth most turnovers forced 25 against the Packers who only turned the ball over 11 times and that that's something exciting to watch I mean if we see Aaron Rodgers go out he throws two picks maybe Aaron Jones fumbles the ball I think the Buccaneers have a huge edge in this game but I'm not going to come out and trust their secondary against Devontae Adams and especially guys like Tanya can get involved Valdez Scantling can open up the safeties. I mean, there, there's a lot of little intricacies here that I just have going the Packers way, but if they can force turnovers, I think the Buccaneers are setting themselves up great in this game. Yeah. Shutting down a hurt Michael Thomas is one thing. Shutting down a healthy Devontae Adams is a whole nother You thing. see how he does that? You see how he just like diminishes the accomplishments? You see how no, he does no, that? No, no. I, Masterful. 
Great job. You deserve all the credits, especially the defense, for completely shutting down. Drewby's had the worst playoff game of his entire career. Yeah. Michael Thomas did nothing. Alvin Kamara had a couple spurts, but nothing oh, special. A little bit. Right, right, right. Um, Michael Thomas didn't catch a ball. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. they didn't just shut him down. I know he's a little right. hurt. It's, it's one thing if he had like, a couple catches for a couple of yards. That man got targeted only only four targets, too. Like, not not yeah. like, you know, even a shit ton of targets. Yeah. There won't but, um, be a slanty boy tweet after. No. Nah. <laughs> oh, slant boy. But that, that, that was, that's exactly my point is that these two offenses are, are so different. I was almost kind of comfortable with the offense that the Saints presented to the Buccaneers because it, it works for us. Our, our cornerbacks tackle great in space. Our linebackers tackle great in space. But we're not good at covering down the field and stretching down the field. And Matt noted a lot of stats last week where the Packers are were one of the teams who stretch the ball down the field most, like a tops in the league in expected yards per play, you know, tops in the league and, you know, average, you know, play over 20 yards. Like they, they move the ball down the field and it's different when you're dealing with a standstill quarterback like Drew Brees, who's going to take a three-step drop, hit his back foot and then go hit the first read and, and Aaron Rodgers, who's going to stretch a play. And I'm, I'm really not confident in my corners to cover Devontae Adams for four plus seconds at a time. It's just, I, I can't expect my corners to do that. So Kyle, I think you hit it on the head. Like we got to be opportunistic again. I think the same way, the same game plan we had uh, against the Saints is the same game plan we got to have against the Packers. We got to get ourselves extra possessions. Like that's just yeah. the, the, it's, it's going to be the great equalizer if we can get the ball back and halt drives. Um, and we also got to be bend, but don't break. I, th- I think we're going to give up a bunch of yards, but we got to. Some of those drives have to end in three instead of six. It's, yeah. it's just what's going to. It's going to have to be. It's going to have to be a big defensive game. I think. I think that's a big point too, because I even it's actually both of these games, but just focusing on this one, I expect. I mean, we're talking about some of the best offenses in the league, if not the best four at this point in the season. I know the only four left, but there's going to be points, and I think that was a great point. If you can limit these to three. And we're talking about a Packers team where Devontae Adams has more touchdowns than Mason Crosby has field goal attempts. If you can take those touchdowns off the board, make the attempts happen, that is where you can capitalize. Because I I can't see either of these offenses scoring less than 21 points. It's about keeping the touchdowns off the board. And I don't want it to be lost on anyone here. The fact that we finally get a Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. It's not a Super Bowl now that Tom's in the NFC, but still uh, a NFC championship game where I don't know how much Tom Brady is going to be leaned on. I think game script will really depend on that. Uh, The Buccaneers have had success running the ball. I thought Ronald Jones looked good last game. Um, And on the defensive side, the Buccaneers actually rank first in yards per carry. So it'll be interesting to see if Green Bay does get up, if they're going to be stymied and it kind of swings back the other way because of how well the Bucs can play the run. Uh, but that's another one that I'm really interested in seeing how that matchup plays it's out. It's crazy. It's only the fourth time they've ever played against each other in their careers. They rarely, because Rodgers was hurt in 2010, plus AFC, NFC. Um, and I, it, 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 we came close to having a Super Bowl matchup with them in 2014, but Brandon mm-hmm. Bostic couldn't catch an onside kick. Like, there have been so many near misses. In 2016, they lost an NFC title game to the Falcons. Would have, And it's great that we're finally seeing the... Uh, it's it's the second best quarterback matchup you could wish for. We saw Brady Manning a million times, so mm-hmm. you, everyone just craved to see Rodgers Brady and Rodgers MVP this year is going to be. And it's great to see Rodgers at the peak of his powers versus Brady trying to um, make it one more run in him. Uh, and uh, Brady, he only threw for 166 yards in the first matchup. He's been playing much better since he became fully acclimated in that offense. We talked about it last week where his passer rating has been over 100 since like week 12. And I think it's going to be, I think both quarterbacks are going to have a really good game. Yeah. Ah, there we go. <laughs> there we, there we they, go. There we go, gonna, Matt. How did it feel? How did it feel to give Tom Brady some He's going to be good. I think he's going to, he's a, he's a very all time great second best quarterback ever. Quarterback. Right, here he's we go. still See a very good quarterback. We don't need to do that in our debate. He's better than Rodgers all time. I don't like the Rodgers people. The Rodgers people annoy me. Brady's clearly nah. better than Rodgers all time. Yeah. 
All right, but, but to get this thing back on the track, but right before we move on to the next matchup, Jake, you highlighted it a little bit, and I want to talk about it just for a little bit more before we move on, and that's that front seven versus, you know, the 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 entire, like, Packers offense. It's going to be the front seven versus the passing attack and the front seven versus the running attack. Those are two separate matchups that we got to look at because we know the Buccaneers have the top run defense in the NFL, but we're looking at Aaron Jones, who's one of the best backs in terms of yards per carry this year. So if, if the Packers can find somewhat of a running game, that's going to open up their entire offense. Like, I, I don't think it's going to be a point where the Packers need to find the running game. They need to win the running battle. But if they can do more than what um, more than what Washington was able to do, more than what the Saints were able to do in the running game, that tips the scales a lot. That's what I'm worried about. And you got a two-headed monster back there of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams who, who can get it done. So that's going to be interesting to see if the, if the Buccaneers can do that. And then the front seven with the passing attack because the, the pass rush has been something that's been a little down for the Bucs last year. Last year, we had the sack leader in, in Shaq Barrett. This year, JPP makes the Pro Bowl, you know, with, with 11 and a half sacks this year. But uh, as a whole, it's been down a little bit. And, you know, not a whole lot of sacks on Drew Brees last week. I think only one or two last week. So it wasn't, you know, getting to him wasn't something that we were able to do. So getting to Rodgers and making him uncomfortable is something we're going to have to be able to do. So I think that was, that was a good point to, to point out. Fully. I mean, they were fourth in the league in sacks this year and second in QB hurry per, uh, percentage. We're talking about the Buccaneers. So, I mean, I, I think I think the pressures will be there. Aaron Rodgers is going to do Aaron Rodgers things. I, I don't think he's going to get five seconds, seven seconds in the pocket ever. Um, but that run yeah. game is key. The run game is key, though, because we watched Aaron Jones go for 99 yards and a touchdown last week on only 14 carries. Jamal Williams had a lot of yards on only mm -hmm. 14 carries. And if they do get through that front line and they can add that second weapon, it's going to be really hard for the Buccaneers to be able to slow them down. Yeah. I don't think the Bucks. I don't think you can run on the Bucks. I don't care who you are. Like Alvin Kamara did the best job, and he was just decent. Yeah. Like yeah. And Ronald Jones, the second one running backs in yards per carry this year, and even I don't think he'll crack. I will say this, this though. I will say this: if the Saints weren't such a pass happy offense, if they were a team like the Titans or the Ravens, whose their hallmark was running the ball, and they were able to stick to it. I think there were. I think come the third quarter, they could have worn our defense out, and Alvin Kamara could have broken loose. I just don't think they stuck to it as much as they should have. I think they and wanted the, to go back to the pass too much. And the Packers ran for almost 200 yards last week against the Rams. I mean, that's not a bad front seven. I mean, mm -hmm. I do think that the Rams front seven or the Buccaneers the are a little 3. better. 3.6 yards per carry all year. That's stupid good. Yeah. That's <laughs> I like you could Derrick Henry would struggle. Like I I I don't care. I think. Their run defense is so stout. I think I really think it's a Rodgers game. I think it, Rodgers has to beat him, and he's the MVP. So obviously, it's a very good chance that happens. Right. And just a just a parting word because I was just thinking about it now. This game is going to be in Lambeau. It is going to be frigid. Yeah. I have a feeling the ball may be a little tougher to grip onto for some of these players. I, I don't. I don't know. I just get the feel in a big game like this. You have absolute murderers in that linebacking core for the Buccaneers flying around. Uh, I think the ball is going to pop out. A fumble or two, I don't know. I just get a premonition. Uh, a cold night in Lambeau, I think it could really spice that game up. Yeah, for I sure. It. I can see it for sure. All right, the, the last matchup we're going to look at in this Bucks uh packers game is we're going to flip the sides of the ball here. It's going to be the Buccaneers rushing attack in particular against the, the Packers rushing defense. The Bucks rank first in yards per carry. Um, or that that's that's their defense. I'm sorry. Um, but the, the Buccaneers have, have that two-headed monster uh, of Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. JQ talked about it. Ronald Jones looked good, but, I mean, playoff Lenny has looked even better. That's Leonard Fournette who's having his best games, you know, come week 14 through 16 or through 17 in the regular season and the two very good games in the playoffs and we saw it last week where you know if it may not so much we have to you know lean on Tom Brady we can lean on our running backs to carry the load and Tom Brady may only have to throw for a buck 80 or something and a, and a couple of touchdowns you lean on the running backs and it can go but it's it's whether that 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 Packers front four or front seven can really stop the Buccaneers running game I'm not sure if, it, if it's going to be able to happen not the way we've been running the ball. Yeah, I mean, you got 60 yards out of both those guys last week. Um, and I think the change of pace is a thing, too. Like, you see Fournette comes in more, I'm going to run you over. And Ronald Jones seems to have a little more moves in open field. And I think the change of pace, and if they use him right, is going to be very key for that offense. I actually, 
you I mean, if you look at the stats, I guess you're right. Fournette has been the bigger one. But I actually think Ronald Jones is the key here. I mean, Fournette's the dude I'm sure you put in within five yards to try to punch mm-hmm. in a touchdown. But I love the way Ronald Jones is running last week. On less carries than Fournette, put up the same amount of yards. I think he 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 could be set up for a big day if he gets 10 plus, 15 plus carries. And Jake, you oh. mentioned the ball popping out. Leonard Fournette, you think, played at LSU, played for the Jaguars, now plays for the Bucks. He doesn't know cold weather. But when the Jaguars made their AFC title run, he had three touchdowns and 100 yards at Pittsburgh. He had 76 rushing yards and a touchdown at New England. And he played well against Washington in the wild card round. And no fumbles in all three of those games. No fumbles. So Leonard Fournette, despite being a very warm weather player, no fumbles in the cold. I, I get I get the cold weather statement for teams. But football is football, man. Like, if, you, if you're in the NFL, you've been used to playing this sport in the months of September through January for, you know, since you've been, you know, since you've been little, you've had to play in cold weather before. I don't care where you are. Like you've had to do it before. You're, you're an NFL football player, man. There's a lot of NFL players from Georgia and Texas. I I get it. But, but, but in, in, you know, in the, in the span of an NFL career, if you've been in the league for more than three years, you've gone to a cold weather place to play. Like we've, we've played in cold weather before we've done it this year. Yeah. He's spoken boldly by a man with, a, what is he, 42, 43? How old is Tom now? He spent 20 years in, in a colder yeah, place yeah. than he's Green in, Bay. He's been in New England. Yeah, he won a title. My dad tried to make out. that same statement, and I was like, he was in New England for 20 years, man. It's shit cold. So just uh, just touching what on, on that running game before we move on here, I think something that I've been watching that is interesting, the Buccaneers kind of do it. Um, Green Bay has actually started to kind of do it as well with Dylan and Jones, but the manipulation of defensive sets by what running back you put in, because a lot of teams do the running back by committee thing. And, you know, for example, uh, the, the most polar example I can think of is the Colts. They bring in Naeem Hines. You think passing down Jonathan Taylor, you think, okay, they're probably going to run the ball. Um, and that it allows you as an offense to kind of manipulate the personnel that the defense sends out there and and what they're looking for. So as we go deeper here, uh, I think it's interesting to watch how these two offenses who both use two running backs are going to try and kind of play that game of, you know, maybe I bring Ronald Jones in. I mean, it's not as stark for the Buccaneers running backs. Both guys like to pound the ball. Neither are are a decisive pass catching back, but uh, just be on the lookout for that. Uh, if, if Aaron Jones comes in and, and is running some draws and stuff like that, uh, just something to keep an eye out for. Yeah. And this is all well and good. We've all made some good points, but let me just tie a, a bow around exactly what I think is going to happen. The Buccaneers are going to win this game and they're going to win this game on the back of traditional football. You run the ball well and you play good defense. That, that's what it's going to have to be. We're going to lean on our running backs to, to take the air out of the ball the same way we did against the Saints. And I think the, the, the best defense for us is going to be keeping Aaron Rodgers off the field as much as possible. And you're going to do that with long possessions like we did last week and getting some turnovers. We're going to have to do it, but I believe you know that my defense is, is able to, to create those turnovers and I'm going to lean on my running backs again. And that's how we're going to get out of this game with a victory and, and cold Lambo. So I just want to put that definitively out there so everybody knows exactly what I expect to happen because I just think we keep the same game plan. The game plan yeah. last week was that. You keep it and you, you ride into the sunset and go to the Super Bowl. I agree. I mean, that is your win condition. I'm, I'm not so sure about the win, though. I'm not so <laughs> sure about the win. The game plan is different from the execution. I 100% get it. All right. Yeah. We're going to move on to the AFC side of things. We want to do uh, picks quickly. I was going to do it at the end. Do it now? I was going to do it at the okay. end. Yep. 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 So let's let's before we do that, let's go to the AFC side of the things. Uh, when we go to the Bills versus the Chiefs, we're gonna live in fantasy land that Patrick Mahomes is definitely going to play. He practiced 100 today on Wednesday. He still remains in protocol, but you know I don't see a scenario Patrick Mahomes doesn't play. Either Patrick Mahomes plays, or someone on the Bills randomly catches COVID and they push the game back. Like I'm not I'm not sure there's a way the NFL is not gonna let Patrick Mahomes and run out on that field. Reported that he's had no concussion symptoms since then. Uh, so it, he's been doing well in all the protocols, so he seems like on the path that he'll be ready to play. He's gonna play. He could have. He could have got playing. done up like Nate Robinson slept, <laughs> and they would have him playing the next year. There's nothing that could have happened to Patrick Mahomes aside from him losing a limb where he. That's what I'm saying. Playing. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they're throwing. They're throwing that man out there. It's a Bills team that ranks first and waiting. Three chance to know his birthday on those 
protocol questions. Right. <laughs> it's a Bills team that ranks first in weighted DVOA, a Chiefs team that ranks sixth. Uh, but the, the two matchups we're going to look for, the first one is the Bills red zone offense against the Chiefs red zone defense. Because we know that, you know, you can move the ball against this Chiefs defense, but it's whether the Bills can finish these drives and whether the Chiefs can hold them. 49.4% uh, of the Bills' drives right now end in offensive scores. That's second in the NFL. So the Bills are used to finishing drives when they don't leave points on the board, don't leave, you know, points out there on the field. And it's going to be whether the Chiefs' defense can do that. Um, they've had, you know, a, a little bit of success. Um, but we saw in, in, you know, both games, like the Browns were able to move the ball against the Chiefs' defense. Are they able to do that? Are they able to keep the, the Bills off the board or at least for three? I, I think... As much as I think last game that we talked about was going to be a lot of points, I know that this game is going to be a lot of points. Mm. I mean, you're looking at the third best passing offense and the first best passing offense in the leagues, I believe. Um, so, no, I don't think they stop them. But I, I will give the edge on the defensive side of the ball to the Chiefs, though. I mean, they have playmakers. Really? I like I, I think Tyron Matthews is good in, in this scenario. Yes, I, I would give the edge just because you're versing Casey's offense. I mean, I, I would say it's guaranteed to be an offensive like shootout, but I yeah. thought that was going to be a sure thing with Chiefs Browns. That was twenty-two to seventeen. So yeah. but if, that's my lesson is never bet over unders. But <laughs> I, I I think this game actually could be a little low scoring. The Bills defense has been good recently, but going back to the red zone stuff, seventy-seven percent. That's a lot. That's a lot of possessions that end in touchdowns. And I really trust as much as like I think Josh Allen is really going to shred up that defense. I really think he's going to, I think Stefan Diggs is going to have a big day and I just trust the Bills to score when they need to. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned just that red zone attack, especially from Buffalo all across that wide receiving core are guys who can win on short routes. Stefan Diggs, I mean, any route he can really win on, but even John Brown and Cole Beasley in the short game are very, very tough to stick that's with. That's the one right so, there, Cole Beasley. Well, on short routes, that's the one right there, for sure. And, and Stephon Diggs said today, like, look, we, we view this as a team effort. It doesn't matter who's getting thrown the ball, and that's what makes them so dangerous. Um, it, I, <laughs> I agree we said this about Cleveland KC, but I don't see how both teams don't eclipse 30 points in this game. That's what I will say. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that we're going to see some fireworks. Yeah, for, for sure. And both well, both of these teams, more than just the red zone ability, what what about the big play ability of both of these teams? Like we could talk about the red zone scoring, but both these teams are just as li uh, likely to, to score a touchdown from outside of the red zone as they are from inside of the red zone, especially playing the defenses that they're going up against. You know, we, we, I mean, we don't have to sit here and talk much about the Chiefs' big play ability. That's kind of their hallmark. But the Bills have it, too. The Bills can win on these short routes, but you're talking about Savon Diggs, who, who's among the league leaders in yards after the catch. You know, being able to 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 get the ball and get upfield and break away, I think the Bills, you know, definitely have that in them. So the the that aids to the points, the points point, or you know, the the you know the the high scoring point of this game is the big playability of both of these teams. Like I don't I don't think that should be lost on anybody. Yeah, Gabriel Gabriel Davis is another guy who can break one as well. So mm -hmm. I definitely he did a lot of. He didn't practice today, A lot though. of deep balls between Mahomes and Allen. Gabriel yeah. Davis didn't practice today, which is interesting. But I, I, I do agree with the breakout because – and I think there's going to be have to be some breakout plays here for the Bills. And I think Josh Allen using his legs is going to be very important in this game. I mean, Mahomes can run too, but that is a clear advantage I would give Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I, I want to use every word in the book to describe him because he's that good. So I, I think – I'm not sure how much Cole Beasley is going to be a factor – but I expect Stephon Diggs to have a great game. I think Josh Allen's going to have a great game. And if he can find touchdowns to Cole Beasley, if he can find touchdowns to Dawson Knox, then it's going to be a scorcher. And he's going to put pressure on that KC offense to do what they're meant to do, but might not be able to do. Yeah. I also like so, the Bills well, running well, attack. I like how balanced it is. Singletary, Moss, and yeah. Allen all, all had – I just like that they'll be fresh. I like I like that no one will be tired. And I like I, – I could – I don't – when they're with they have third and goal from the two, they could do a Josh Allen like shotgun run in. I'd be I'd be confident that they'd score. Yeah, uh, I mean, but we, we're talking about the big playability of both these teams, the the Bills' ability to score. Um, but the Chiefs' defensive has you know had success on Josh Allen in the past. The Chiefs' defense uh, have held Josh Allen to just 122 passing yards. That's the you know. Uh, the the lowest or the fewest since his rookie season. 
So we're talking about, you know, Josh Allen, a, a person who slid into the MVP conversation very late into the season and is going to look to carry that into the next season. But this is a defense that's had success on them. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how they, they've been able to do that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just a defense that's been able to stymie Josh Allen when not many defenses have been able to do it. And it's weird because when you think about the Chiefs defense, that's not what you think of. You don't think of holding them to yards. They're opportunistic. They got playmakers on the field. Kyle said it. But holding a, a man who's among the league leader in passing yards to his fewest output since his rookie season is not something that I that I pin on the Chiefs. That was kind of surprising to me. We haven't seen rear its ugly head in a while, even though I mentioned it last week. Uh, like I just it, I feel it in my bones. The Josh Allen killer turnover is coming. I still watch him. Like he is an amazing. I can say it every time that that, that he plays a game. It's like he's amazing, and, and yet he leaves some plays out there. Um, that the Chiefs D, who is actually very opportunistic. You look at guys like mm -hmm. Tyron Matthew who can make a play at any time. You know, you think that Josh Allen's a guy who thinks he can overpower and throw a ball across his body, and, and that could go the other way with guys like Tyron Matthew running around out there. But it'll be fun. No matter what happens, it's going to be fun. I can see you now. Like, I know you. I can see you, like, watching this game. Every time Josh Allen drops back, in your mind, you're like, here it is. This is the one. This is the one where he does something. <laughs> I know fourth quarter. If it hasn't happened by the fourth quarter, just really strap it down because it's coming. Law of averages. Law of averages. It's going. If that's that happened, that game, it's going to happen. That game that they lost to the Chiefs was in the middle of like a really the worst spell of the Bills' stellar season. They got blown out by Tennessee the week before. Then after that, they ba like barely beat the Jets in New England the weeks after that. So they definitely had a downturn and the Chiefs met him at the right time. Uh, and I think now they're playing and they're both at their strongest, which will make it a great game. Yeah, I mean, but look, I mean, it's 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 championship weekend, so we're dealing with four teams, obviously, who are amongst the hottest in the NFL. But if if I'm if you had to ask me who's the hottest of these four teams, I'm going to Buffalo Bills, man. So this is this is definitely going to be a, a you know a, a game to watch, you know, a very exciting game at that. But it's time to put our stamp down on who we think is going to win. Um, so we'll first go uh, around the horn and go Bucks Packers. Jake, give it to me. Who you got, Bucks Packers? So I have Packers pulling this one out 28 to 24. Uh, the way I envision it playing out is like 21 21. Buccaneers yeah. kick a field goal. Rodgers goes down. You're dead dagger. to me. You're, you're dead to me. <laughs> Anybody else want to be dead to me? Yeah, <laughs> Anybody dead else want to yeah. lose a friend? <laughs> Kyle, you want to lose a friend? Uh, <laughs> man, I mean, you can still win, I guess. I'll get, keep my friend if the Buccaneers win, but we'll go. Uh, I'm going Packers 100%. The Packers are my Super Bowl pick. Um, they have been since the playoffs started, and I just trust in this team. I, I think it will be a good game. I think both games will be good games. Give me the Packers 31 to 20 something. He's not even going to give us a score. He's not even going to give us a no, concrete score. You guys could score like five field goals or four touchdowns. Like, I don't know. But the Packers are going to score 31, and you're going to get to 20. I agree with Kyle. Packers will score 31. Bucks will score 30. They cover oh. but lose. Okay. <laughs> James, who you got? <laughs> interesting. No, no, no. This is interesting. Not one. Carl, not one alliance on this. On this That's not one. I think That's you're fine. Alone. That's that's fine. I don't need y'all. I'm riding. With, I'm riding with my squad. Fire the cannons all over the field. Give me, give me my bucks. Thirty-one twenty-eight. I think. I think the turnovers that we talked about is what's going to keep the Packers under under thirty, and that's what we need to do to win. If they do win, just I'll be happy for you. I I, I decided. No, yeah, we'll be happy for you. I no, decided I when the win, I, I won't be salty about it. I decided at the beginning of the playoffs, I came to terms with that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, if, if they win, I'll say good job, but I hope they win in the Super Bowl. Then I'll root for them in, in the Super Bowl if they make it for y'all sake. Like if they do win, I'm coming back on this podcast next week and talking the, the most shit because all, all I three, I can't believe I couldn't get one of y'all. I can't believe not one of y'all. Hey, like, I took like, the Saints last week. I wasn't going to go against the Buc or I wasn't going to go against the Packers if I took the Saints last week. Why? We proved you wrong last week. You should you should be like, oh, damn, man, they proved me wrong. I, sh I should be ready. I'm not going to fight for your fandom, okay? Like, I'm not going to sit here and beg for a pick. We'll, we'll move on. Jake, who you got? Uh, Bills, Chiefs. Uh, I said I wouldn't pick against them. I'm going to stick to that. KC I have in this game after they survive without Mahomes. Um, 
I, I don't think a concussion will have any. I've never had a concussion. I don't think it'll have any lingering side effects. If it does, oh, it could. if it does, <laughs> I would. maybe open the door for from, Buffalo. From a guy who's had six of them joins in his life, like a, I remember. Yeah, a concussion could like have you seeing some things real quick. Like yeah. you just start seeing rainbows. Oh, up at, during football practice. After yeah. one of those <laughs> let, let me tell you, I went home. I thought I had like five heads, man. That's that. Look, that joint is crazy. Kyle, who you got? Bills Chiefs. Uh, so I've had one concussion. And that sucked. You yeah, had six, awesome, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm taking the Chiefs in this one. Uh, I mean, my brackets worked out so far. I've missed on one of these teams. That was the Bucks, and I'm gonna stick with the bracket. Chiefs are the better team. I think it'll be a lot of explosions. Could see 40 points out of one side, but I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. Matt, what are we doing? I've been flip flopping. I came into this podcast saying I'm gonna take the Bills over the Chiefs. So I talked myself out of it, so now I can't go against Pat Mahomes. But then I talk myself back into the the Bills. <laughs> I gotta trust my DVOA. I got because I can pick. I can't pick both games against DVOA because the Bucks have a higher DVOA than the um, Packers, and the Bills have a higher DVOA than the Chiefs. Uh, Buffalo is gonna win the Super Bowl. They're gonna redeem all the four falls of Buffalo. I just watched that thirty for thirty, so that's probably influencing me. That's but probably Bills it. win 34-31. Matt, you okay. saying that makes me feel better about t- about picking the Bills too. I understand the, the narrative of don't pick against Patrick Mahomes, and you know if 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 the Chiefs do win, I'll one hundred percent surrender to that and say I was wrong for going against them. But I I, I got to go with what I'm watching right now, and I'm watching a Chiefs team even before Patrick Mahomes went out, never really pulled away from the from the Browns. And a Bills team that was dominating the Ravens. Like, it just, just handled them. So, I, I think the Bills are, are playing the best football of, of any of these four teams right now. And I got to go with and I gotta go with that. So, I'm taking the Bills over the Chiefs. A high-scoring one. I'm taking them 35-30. I got to ask this, James. If it's Chiefs-Bucks, how do you and Mom handle the game? Uh, we've already talked about this. We've, we actually talked about this, like, in the beginning of the season. Where, like, you know, we had to prepare ourselves. I don't think I can watch it in the same house as my mother. I, I don't think I can. Like, I'm going to have to go somewhere because, like, it's it's one thing when it's hypothetical and we're joshing and we're joking. But, like, we both get really too emotional when it comes to football. And, like, I, I will curse out my mother. Like, I will curse out my mother. And, like, I can't do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, either way. Out of that house then, dude. Yeah, for real. Like, real quick. Like, either way neither of us one person won't be talking to the other for at least two weeks like if we're at the like jake you like if, if there's like a corner i can have like in your crib like i might need to stay somewhere real quick because this one over here I tell that's you. fine that's it's fine i might here. need to just set up a cot because that's that is good that is going to be crazy uh but i guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there all right we're going to move from the from the gridiron to the hardwood start talking some nba uh because it's the early part of the nba season you know starts to go over uh, we're you know approaching like the 15 to 20 game mark for some of these teams. And there's been a lot of players who've been overlooked, some most slept on players in the league. And this is who we're going to talk about because some players aren't getting the shine they deserve, maybe because of the team that they're on or just not in the national spotlight or the novice fan just doesn't know about them. So we're, we're, the, we're the show that educates and entertains. So we're about to educate y'all real quick. And the first one is Chris Boucher uh, on the Toronto Raptors. This is a guy that, you know, a lot of people have been high on since his rookie season. And he's just been producing, man. 16.7 rebounds, two and a half blocks in 24 minutes, posting a 69.8% efficient field goal percentage. That's the best in the league right now. And Kyle over there is shaking his head in faculty. I know Chris Boucher is one of his favorite players to highlight because he gets slept on. So, you know, it's a guy who, who needs to shine, Kyle. Give him a shine real quick. Well, the, the amazing thing about Chris Boucher as well is he's not even playing 25 minutes a game. I think right. he's going to start getting that uptick now that the Raptors are playing so horribly and they're realizing, okay, we have to get him in the game. Siakam maybe not is the guy that we thought he was. But it, it's just like watching him play is like they list him as a center, right? But he's not a center. He's six foot nine and does stuff that other big men, quote unquote, can't do. I, I do think he is still young. Well, he's not young, but in terms of NBA career, he's young and has a lot to grow. But he's shown a lot. 16 points a game was way more than I thought we'd get out of him this year. And if you would have told me he was playing under 25 minutes and getting 16 points a game, I would have called you a liar. Yeah. 47% from three is what really That's my favorite stat. That's yeah. my favorite I don't stat. Think, yeah, I don't think that can hold, but if he keeps that, if that goes to 38, he's incredibly valuable. Like that, that doesn't even have to hold. Like he, I know he's, he's, his legs are young because he hasn't had to play like hard NBA minutes. I know he's 28, but. 
That's a guy Toronto, I don't can count on. And he's not getting a lot of credit, mostly because Toronto had a really bad start to the season. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it is really incredible how Toronto, year over year over year, turns out these undrafted, unknown late picks. I mean, they did it with Fred Van Vliet. They did it with OG Ananobi. They did it with Norman Powell. Uh, actually, Norman Powell had been in the league beforehand, but they ha- do have a knack with doing this. Terrence Davis is another recent one. Um, personally, I really like Chris Boucher because in my basketball dynasty league, I picked him in like the fourth round off the waiver wire, and I think I'm the smartest human on earth now. <laughs> yeah, you were um, but yeah, so he's been great for them. He did show kind of the same stuff that he's showing now, just in lesser minutes. So. That tells me if you up his minutes to 30, 36, you're going to see all-star level numbers. Uh, They're probably not a good enough team to maybe justify him being on the all-star team. But, hey, more minutes and we'll see. Yeah, these to me, these numbers aren't like bulk numbers, right? These aren't numbers that are inflated by a couple of good games and and you see inconsistent play. These are efficient numbers. These are numbers that he's churning in game in and game out it's what's making him right now the top you know the top leader of the six man of the year award and he absolutely mm-hmm. deserves it and if you're toronto kyle you said it like why not up his minutes what do you what do you have to lose you're the third worst team in the eastern conference right now and this is a, yeah. a one of your few bright spots and you need to start finding bright spots again kyle lowry may maybe look like he's coming down you know on on the down tick of his career you said it yourself Maybe Siakam's not the guy who we thought you know he was going to be. They need to start finding those bright spots again, those energy tickers for their team. And Chris Boucher is like one of those fan favorites. Like the faithful in yeah. Toronto has been screaming for him to get bigger minutes, and it's probably about time, right? It's about time to what, give it to him. What, what do I? What, who? What's my favorite NBA stat? Win shares. Win shares. Fifth in the NBA in win shares for Chris Here Boucher. We go. First in win shares for forty-eight. He is playing incredible ball. Yeah, they yeah. they definitely got up his minutes. All right, move on to the next one. Jeremy Grant, who had a, a little bit of breakout season with the Nuggets last year, signed that great uh, or that great deal with the Detroit Pistons, and looks like he's earning it. Twenty-five points, six rebounds, one point four blocks per per game, ranks fourteenth in the association in scoring average. Um, another team that doesn't have many bright spots, if any. Jeremy Grant may be like the only bright spot on the Pistons right now, but he's earned it, right? This is a man, when we saw in the bubble last year, we were like, he's going to get paid in the offseason. The Pistons got him one, and now he looks like he can be, you know, an all-star coming this year. He's, he's another, like, efficient and, and consistent game from Jeremy Grant, and, you know, a, a little bit of notice on the league, but I don't think nearly as much as he he deserves it. Not, not 14th in the league in scoring notice. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like, I'm not sold on Jeremy Grant just because he has been a benefactor of just not playing with a good team. Blake Griffin sits on back-to-backs. I mean, you look at their lineup, he's averaging 37 minutes a game. Blake Griffin's averaging 32, not even playing every game, and no one's even averaging 30. Um, I'm definitely impressed with him. I'm also impressed with Josh Jackson on that team, Sadiq Bey. Mm -hmm. I think um, Killian Hayes, when he comes back, will be good, even though that was a bad injury. Um, But the thing with Jeremy Grant is, the reason I'm not sold is his numbers in terms of efficiency, nothing has changed. It's just volume. So it's like shooting worse percentages, but he's taking 18 shots a game. He's shooting seven threes a game. And, but there is something to be said about being the best player on this team. I mean, he is the best player on a basketball team in the NBA. And your volume is going to go up. When you go from the fourth or fifth best player on a team to the best, your volume is going to go up. And maybe, and, and when it's your first year, efficiency might go down a little bit. You're not used to shooting at that volume. This is, this is a great year for his career moving forward. It boosts your confidence. You are the guy you're putting up 25 a game and he just did get paid. He's doing exactly what they should have done. I think we as Sixers fans know the name Jeremy Grant, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the people around the league don't. They saw a little splashes last year in Denver. Here and there, he hit some threes in the playoffs, but I I think he is is putting on notice, but I'm cautious. I think what Jeremy Grant's doing is he's playing his way out of Detroit, and which is good for him (laughs) in the sense that he's too good if they want to tank, and they can get valuable draft picks for him. Even though he just signed the new contract, he's playing up to it. And a lot of teams would love him to be their third or fourth option, which could help Detroit with draft picks in the future. Yeah, Matt, that's what I was going to say is that if you're Detroit, like I think he tops out and, and where he is best is like that third to fourth uh, starter scoring option, kind of like what he was uh, on Denver. But Kyle, you mentioned a guy that Sixers fans know from back in the day. Let me move us along here to our final guy who's not getting enough shine. This is a guy who I thought was always uh, 
a solid player, but this year looking at his numbers, that would be one Nick Vucevic shout out. 23 most points, 11 rebounds. To me, the most underrated I mean, player in the league year after year. It's incredible that he has been the anchor of that Orlando team and especially their defense as well for like the past seven years and eight years. No one says a word, mainly because they haven't been very good. But yeah. this year, as I was saying, 23-11, three and a half assists, 52% from the field and 42.5% from three, which is a real eye popper there. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I almost feel like the-, the Orlando market does him no justice. Um yeah. Because, like, like you guys have said, year over year, he does this, and yeah. eventually Orlando's going to be good, and hopefully he's still doing it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the stats, and you said this year. Well, no, this is the past five years. This is what Nick Vucevic is. Um, but he only—I mean, he's made the playoffs his past two years. He's been in Orlando eight years now, I believe. Missed the playoffs his first six, made it the past two. Um, I don't have much to say about Nick Vucevic because— if you watch NBA, you know he's good. I mean, yeah. this is a dude that night after night is the best player on a team that has now been a playoff team for the past two years. He was I an mean, all-star two years ago in 2018-19. He just is cursed with the bad team. If he was on, he could be like a great, like well-known, get deals, like advertising deals. It feels just on, it feels like the fifth guy on a title team, yeah, but he's, he's stuck he's in a- Orlando. He's like uh, a better Serge Ibaka when Serge Ibaka was playing on all those good teams. And he was like, oh, they got Serge Ibaka. How do we match up against him? I, like, I think Vucevic is like maybe not the prime, a little like different the opposite, player. Opposite a little different, player. but a little I, different but I, player, but, but the same, same role. Yeah, yeah, and I do think Nick Vuce is a matchup nightmare. Like, I do think he's one of the most like versatile big men in the league. He's a smart defender, too. Like, he's a guy who gives Embiid, you know, the, the best centers in the league when they match up against him. They can have problems. Uh, before we before we move on here, I want to ask you guys, because I have somewhat of a strong take on this. Where do you guys think Nick Vucevic ranks all time in terms of Orlando Magic players? When you say you have a strong take, that makes me feel like you're going to hate my answer. But I'm going to go fifth. I, I think you have Penny, Shaq, right. you have Dwight Howard, and you have right. Tracy McGrady. And then right after that, I know McGrady only played three years there, but then it's Vuce at five. What about, did you say Penny? Yeah. yeah said Penny. Okay. I think you can make a strong argument for like Hito Terkoglu. That's who I was going to say. I was going to say he's right around like Hito Terkoglu, but like Grant he's Hill. way better numbers than Hito Terkoglu. But in terms of like magic prowess and like their, their influence on the magic, like he's right around there, but his numbers are way better than Hito. So, yeah, first off, Hito. To mention him in the same breath as Vucevic is disrespectful. <laughs> oh, don't, don't disrespect Turk now. I think you he can is, say Grant Hill. He is, Grant and Hill I view like this... Really, he barely played in Orlando because of all the injuries. Let, exactly. So let me let me just say, I'm viewing this from the, the specter of time with the Magic. So, yeah. you know, you're only on the Magic a couple of years. You can't mm-hmm. be, in my opinion, a Magic. That's, that's at least not how I'm viewing it. Okay. Viewing it through that lens, number one. Nick Vucevic. No, 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 Nick no, no, Vucevic. No, no, no. Maybe it's Dwight, not now. Shaq and Penny went to a finals. Shaq and Penny went to a finals. So did he played the he years. Might he might play. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. He might be he might be number two right now to Dwight, but by the end of his career, he will be the number one magic player. And it'll be pretty hard to dispute. He's going to own a lot of the magic records. He already owns the uh two point field goals made. I think he's like by the end of this season, he'll be second or third all time in games played for the Magic. And maybe it is just a case of accumulation. I mean, Dwight Howard has uh, the most, the highest field goal percentage, way higher than uh, Nikola Vucevic, and they do play the same Wind position. Shares, so he's third. So at least top three. By the end of his career, I'm thinking we're looking at number two or number I'm one, depending on how you want to Nick Anderson's them. number two all time for them in Winchester. Crazy. Before we move on, I just want to throw in some honorable mentions to this um, short little list that we have of the slept on players. I think there's players like Julius Randle is making a big year. Uh, Malik, Malik Beasley on the Minnesota Timberwolves is a good player. DeAndre Hunter's coming out. Keldon Johnson on the Spurs has been phenomenal. And then one guy who I think everyone knows about, but don't put him in the superstar status, is Zach Levine, who's like fourth in the league right now, points per game, who gets his credit short. I mean, same thing as Vucevic. It's a credit of being on the Bulls. But, I mean, I, I think Zach Levine is another slept-on player. 
you say Christian Wood, I think he's. I think he's. People are I noticing just, him now. I've just been right about yeah, Christian Wood. On. I've been right about Christian Wood all off season. I just don't want to gloat. Like, yeah, I know. I know you have. You've 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 had and you've you've had like your your gloating time. But I think you deserve to. But I think Christian Wood is is has just broken out of that slept on status. Like I think now people people in the NBA know who Christian Wood is now. If you don't, then you can come out basketball. Yeah, you got too good too quick. You got too good too quick. You can't sleep on him. All right. All right, we're moving on to our interactive segment, uh, Bullish or Bullshit. Uh, We all know what this is. I'm going to give you a chance of something happening. You're either bullish on it happening or the chances of this happening are bullshit. So, Jake, I'm going to you first. Bullish or Bullshit, the chances the Nets win the Eastern Conference now with their quote-unquote super team adding James Harden, assuming Kyrie Irving comes back. Whenever whenever he's good and ready. Whenever Kyrie is good and ready. So I think he's actually scheduled to, it might be on right now as we record this. Uh, I thought that he was returning tonight, I believe. Is he? I thought Um, he was returning this weekend. It might be tonight. So I actually am going to say bullshit purely because, uh, well, number, well, that's (laughs) number one. Number two, when you look at the top, top, you know, four or five teams in the East, they're all kind of of the same level. Like we just watched Milwaukee versus Brooklyn, and that was that was a great game going back and forth. But overall, not only do you have good competition in the East, you have competition within your own team about who gets to shoot the ball, who's bringing the ball up. I mean, we're going to see Kyrie could put this shit to bed really quickly tonight. They could look amazing, and people will stop talking about it. But until that happens, I have to hold Kyrie as a you know, potential self-destruct button on this team. And that's what you're doing to, that is what you're doing to like make yourself feel better. It, it is, this is how Jake sleeps at night. That's exactly all those things is what he tells them because you put Kevin Durant, James Harden and Kyrie Irving on the same team right now. And we're just talking about the chances, right? The chances they win the Eastern Conference. How are you not bullish on that? How are you not? Those three superstars are on one team. You could talk about there's not enough basketball to go around. And James Harden and Kevin Durant are putting that shit to bed real quick. Like, real quick, where they will go to for that. They will go to for that. Harden and Durant both play defense. They play both sides of the ball. And they both don't really have a problem being the number two guy. Kyrie has never been okay with being the number two guy. And he plays no defense. So, I'm not saying it can't work. I'm not saying it won't work. I just have to see it before I believe it. Okay. Kyle, bullish or bullshit? Yeah, so this bullish or bullshit segment obviously comes from like the stock market. Right. Uh, you're looking for value, and I have to be bullish on this just because of the value in saying this. I mean, I, I believe that, like James hit it on the head. You have these three guys. You have superstars. I'm not going to say too much about them because we have to see like what it is. But this could work. I mean, we've never seen something like this before, and I think it could work. I am very cautious though of their lack of big men. We're talking about teams you have to get through in the East. Joel Embiid. Giannis, I know not technically a big man, but he's big. And even Sabonis could give him troubles at some point, even though I think they beat the Pacers in a seven-game series. I mean, I, I, I'm very I cautious so about that. But if they can go out, but if they can score 140 points a game, then whatever. It doesn't matter. It don't matter. Matt, I bullshit, bullshit. I say it that I'm so bullish. But Harden has just lit up the first three games. He's been playing on fire. Durant looks like he never tore his Achilles. I'm really mad at how good they are. Yeah. <laughs> There's a like chance they could roll through the East. Like, it's like everyone's really talking about, and I don't need Kyrie could retire and they could win the East. Like, they'd be fine. <laughs> they'd be fine. Like, and, and I talked about it before that this was the ultimate insurance move. Kyrie can act the fool. Kyrie cannot show up again. Kevin Durant's going to be like, that's fine. Because James Harden's probably going to have a 35-point triple-double tonight. That's probably what's going to He did that in his first game. He put on a Nets uniform, and two days later, had a 30-point triple-double. This could be a team that's just... How do you... With how KD, do you... KD, and, and how do you defend that? There's just not, there's just not enough to defend that. We're going to move on. Bullish or bullshit. Uh, Matt, I'll actually come to you first for this one. Bullish or bullshit, the chances that every team will play all 72 games that are scheduled this season with the, with the current coronavirus outbreaks. We're getting games scheduled or rescheduled, postponed, and canceled every day. What are the chances every team plays 72? Bullshit. There's definitely going to be some teams that play like 71 or 70 because it'll be one of those like game does not need to be made up because it does not the standings mm-hmm. don't matter for it. Like there have been NBA, there have been like normal NBA seasons where teams play like 
81 games because it doesn't necessarily can't fit the game in. So I definitely think with COVID, there'll be at least one team that plays 71 or 70 games. I agree. Kyle, bullshit, bullshit. I mean, I could see even less games than that. I'm going bullshit strictly from just like a technical standpoint. Like there will be a game canceled in the last two games of the two weeks of the season, even the Mm -hmm. last month where there's no chance to make it up. And it's like the Bulls versus the Pistons. Why make it up? Agree. Jake, where you at? Bullshit, bullshit. So not only am I going to say bullshit to this, I'm going to say bullshit that we don't see a full stoppage to the NBA season like we saw last year. That's where I'm getting at this point. I mean, there's been 16 games already that have been postponed. Um, The contact tracing has been iffy. The Sixers had their game pushed back, and now they're playing tonight, and there's been really no word on if they uh, contracted anything, who, who's who been in contact with which whatever person tested positive on the other team. It's just, and luckily, what I will say the NBA did good, do a good job on is upping the roster limit. I think they, they proposed to up it to 20 on like a two-way deal type thing. Um, and that will allow, because football, look, players get it and they're out for games, but there's so many reserve players in the NBA you know, you're not traveling. You're not your G League guys don't come with you so that, oh, right before game time. Hey, you're not going to have five people. Well, we're going to have a really tough time playing or whatever the number is that you need to have out. So I think I'm I'm bullish, I guess, on the NBA stopping at some point for at least a week or two weeks to let things settle down. Yeah, I, I'm I'm exactly where all three of you guys are. I think it's, you know, bullshit on the chances that every team get play 72. And Jake, not only do I like expect um the nba to to go to a stoppage but i'm like encouraging it like i think that's that's where the nba should go like i think the nba if i'm the nba you shut it down like you just you got to shut it down like you 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 had what completely worked and that was the bubble situation and now you went back and tried to to do everything normal and try to just follow like suit of what the nfl was doing and welcome welcome back to like mediocrity nba welcome welcome back because you were you were head and shoulders above everybody else. You were praised for how well you were able to do the season. And then now you're back to, you know, you look just as bad, if not worse, than the NFL. Because at least for the NFL, it's a week-by-week basis. For the NBA, I'm hearing every day games are getting canceled. Every day games are getting postponed. To me, that's a worse look. So I say, I say shut it down for the NBA completely. Um and then uh, last one, we're going to move through it real quick. There's a bunch of blue bloods struggling right now in college basketball. And one of them, probably the most prominent of those struggling, is Duke. Um, Duke, UNC, and Kentucky all find themselves out of the top 25. Duke right now is on the verge of not making the NCAA tournament and going to the NIT. So, Jake, what are the chances that Duke does not make the NCAA tournament? Bullish or bullshit? So, I'm going to say that... Uh... I'm bullet or I'm it's bullshit that they will make the NCAA tournament. And I, I just want to point out that I find it hilarious. Last year it happened with Roy Williams. His team was not as good as he thought. And he said, this is the worst bunch of kids I've ever I can't believe coached. He said that. No, I can't believe he actually said that last year. This is the worst talented team I've ever coached. Oh my God. And then Cole Anthony has been lighting it up in the pros. Yeah. He, he really <laughs> stunk, dude. It was, it was the kid, not you. Um, and then this year, we have Coach K saying, hey, like, why are we even playing? Why, you know, why are we even playing this season, guys, after he come, comes off to not the start that he's used to? I just find it funny that these legendary coaches, as soon as something starts to go south, they uh, they have the spin cycle on. I remember a couple years ago, Duke started off really poorly, and then Coach K got, like, back surgery. Like, he was going to postpone it to, like, after the season, and they played like crap. So I'm done with this team for another month. From so carrying this team, I'm going to take care of it. Uh, yeah. Duke's going to make the NCAA tournament. Their four losses are to four good teams. Three of them are ranked. Pitt will probably get ranked because uh, they're 8-2 and two and playing well. Uh, and until I – like, UNC was, like, an incredible collapse. And, I, and I, Duke's going to sneak in. Even if they don't deserve it, they'll get some, like, stupid 11 seed. Uh, they'll be mediocre enough to make the tournament. There's a lot of teams. Yeah, teams I agree. Make it. They'll, they'll be one of them. True. Kyle, bullish or bullshit, Duke makes the NCAA tournament. I'm bullish they're making it. Uh, Matt, so what I was going to say, I mean, they had five games against teams that they had to beat, and they beat all five of them. Boston College game was close, still beat them. And then you have four games like, oh, these guys could play. 
oh you like these guys can play and i mean some teams go two and two in that situation duke probably should have they went zero and four but when we're looking at an acc right now that's not strong only three teams are ranked the highest ranked is 13th not even a top 10 and you've played seeding wise the second and the fourth team in virginia tech and Pitt, and those are two of your losses i mean you're going to beat your Wake Forests. You're going to beat your Boston Colleges. And the ACC is not going to send eight this year to the tournament like they normally do. It'll probably be seven. But I'm trusting Duke to be in that top seven. They're not going to be the normal one to three seed Duke. They're going to be a six to 11 seed Duke. Six is probably even too high. But I think they do it. I mean, Jalen Johnson's only a freshman right now. I think the whole team's going to look different in a month from now. He's going to be their guy. Matthew Hurt's going to be a great number two. Mm-hmm. They're still going to be horrible on defense. But they're going to be, win games and they're going to make the tournament. Yeah, uh, I mean, you you're, you highlight Jalen Johnson and Matthew Hurt. I, I look at DJ Stewart because to me, he's like the 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 most breakout potential I could see on that Duke team. I'm not sure if they send seven to the tournament, the ACC, but I don't see a situation where they send like less than like five or six, like I or, mm-hmm. or you know what I mean. Like they're they're a powerhouse of a conference. They're going to send that. But just as much as regular season matters, ACC tournament play matters. Every team makes the ACC tournament. They go on a run in the ACC tournament, and the regular season is forgotten. Let them make the the semifinal or the final or even win the ACC tournament, and they will get a stupid five or six seed in the NCAA tournament because they're Duke and because they made a run in the ACC tournament. That's what Coach K is waiting for. That's where he's going to hold his hat on, and I think he's going to have his team ready and prepared for that. So I'm bullish on the fact that they make the NCAA tournament. Not so much the other. Oh, 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 you are? Uh, you, you think they're going to make the tournament? Because the tweet that you sent this morning Lord, I said, <laughs> seemed to call them an NIT team. I said that just is- to knock you down a peg because you, you was a little cocky about your pit team. I said that to knock you down a peg. But as as <laughs> as I, I go through the day, it's funny because right after I tweeted you tweeted that at you, Kyle, I looked at all the stats that we all just said now, really started thinking about them. I'm like, they're going to make the tournament. Like so, it was a good win for your pick team. Your pick team was playing really well. That was just me. Yeah. That was just me trolling you because people be trolling me all day. I had to get one off, but uh, <laughs> yes, sir. All right, that moves us on. Kyle, you want to move us to the countdown? Yeah, we can go right into the countdown. Um, I just want to say something. Philip Rivers retired. Um, I mean, is I mean, I'm 21. He's played in the league 17 years. I can't say I really watched football when I was four. So this is a dude that's been in the league that my entire NFL. He made the lead fun. And they're gonna miss him. And I'm not don't want to talk about the Hall of Fame stuff because I hate when people do that. But let's just let's just have fun and let's appreciate Philip Rivers because he he was a unique quarterback that was enjoyable to watch in the league. Yes, sir. If you didn't make that comment, I was going to yeah, say Yeah, we were gonna go all three of us were gonna go off if you didn't make that comment. So I'm glad he got, tough, he got dealt a tough hand by getting sent to the Chargers when he was let's, drafted by the Chargers. Let's Giants. let it sit and we'll get the official Drew Brees news because it's not technically official and we can talk about them both at the same time. That's that's fair. fair. That's fair. Only thing I'll say the, the best tweet I saw today is someone said Philip Rivers finally pulled out and I was weak. That that was yeah, I saw that. it was it was an NFL. <laughs> player said that it was an nfl player it was an nfl player that was hilarious that was hilarious yeah let's uh let's get into the countdown let's start with number five the number of teams within a game of first place in the eastern conference that being the celtics bucks sixers pacers and nets the sixers and celtics actually uh i guess tipped off like what like 18 minutes ago as of right now when we're recording this but uh i gotta say guys you guys think the nets are going to carry they're going to take it uh, the Sixers, and I'm not saying this because I'm a homer, only partially because, but the Sixers are built to take on a team like the Nets. Here we go. They're built to take on a team like the Nets. Here we when go. you look at Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris, if Ben right. Simmons is still on the team by then, right? <laughs> those are two guys who you can stick on Harden and stick on Durant. Now, look, someone's going to get a, a bad look on Kyrie. I don't know who they have to guard Kyrie. They don't really have anyone Tob- to guard Kyrie. Tobias is who you can stick on Kevin Durant. That's well, you look, Kevin Durant. You're gonna stick. Cool. You could stick the defensive player of the year on Kevin Durant. It's gonna be the same that's what I'm result. Saying, that's what, like, like that's who you have to stick on Kevin Durant because that's your only option. But don't don't try to so don't like, try to to frame this as Tobias Harris can be a KD stopper. Don't don't, don't ever try to frame it like anything like that. Come on. Man. So as inevitable as Kevin Durant is, Joel Embiid is equally as unstoppable, especially as I Kyle said. Team, yeah. Against a team like the Nets, it's just gonna. I, I just can't say that the and Nets you're right, are Jake, you're runaway right. favorite. The difference is the Sixers have one. The Nets have three. The Sixers the have one, is, and the Nets have, have one. Three. The one the two best players in a Nets in a Nets Sixers series will both be on the Nets. That's the problem. Yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. maybe. Before we move on, I just want to say that uh, we're actually doubling up this number five because those same five teams are the only five teams from last year's Eastern Conference picture that would make the playoffs if it started today as the Magic, the Raptors, and the Heat are all out of playoff spots. But with that said, let's go to number four. All four teams in the conference championship games this weekend in the NFL ranked top five in offensive points per game. We talked about how we expect points in both of these games. That's that kind of homers that point home right there. Um, it's it's going to be a shootout in a, in a championship game. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking Offense yeah. wins championships. Offense wins championships. So we year. said last week. Yeah, that's what we said last week. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the over is going to be in the Chiefs Bills game, but it might be the highest. It's already out, but it's probably the highest we've ever seen in the conference championship game. Like it, that's it's, it could be 60 and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, for real. I agree. All right, let's go to number three. Tom Brady has three playoff wins against NFC South teams. That being the Panthers in 2003, the Falcons in 2016 and the Saints in 2020 for comparison he has only one over afc east teams that being the jets in 2006. yeah took care of the saints dusted them off set drew Brees into retirement and y'all all three of you and all three of you want to sit there and doubt this man again all three of you want to sit there and doubt this man again like we're not watching or the, or the bills in a playoff game because the afc east was so trash that entire yeah, two decades or, or he just dominated it or he just dominated thank you or he just dominated it He's not going to let uh, anyone else win the AFC East, so like maybe you can have a it wild could be card. Both. Like, like, yeah. it, it, like it even both. like if you just look at, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Right, well. yeah, no, go like, ahead. The, like the Titans went like 13 and three one year, and the and the Colts had to be like a 12 and four wild card. Like there was no year during that run of Belichick Brady that there was like a really good AFC East team. There's just like the Jets had like two good years. And like that's it. I want to say the, the two yeah. years the Jets went to the AFC title game. <laughs> a two years out of 20. <laughs> Sanchez. Right, uh, number two. Uh, the weeks since Kyrie's last game. Kyrie last played on January 5th. That's the last time he felt like playing. Look, we, we, we've went over this, this Kyrie thing a bunch. I make a lot of jokes by saying Kyrie feels like playing. And he doesn't. He addressed the media uh, this morning, finally, for the first time. He said he spoke to his teammates. He apologized to his teammates and coaches for not, you know, um, for not telling them his whereabouts. He said, it, obviously, he had a lot of family and personal stuff going on. Um, he looks to, to to be reunited with his team. And the, the Nets can win the Eastern Conference. But in order to beat LeBron James and the Lakers or whoever comes out of the West, whoever does beat LeBron and the J- James and the Lakers in the West, you got to be dialed in. You got to be 100% dialed in, ready to go to a championship. And Kyrie is not there right now. That's the only thing that's going to hold the Nets back. He's just got to dial in. Yeah, it's a shame that that he's become this kind of, you know, sideshow for the Nets because he also does a lot of good for the community, gives back a lot, and that stuff often gets overshadowed yeah. by his antics. So his heart's in the right place. Hopefully they can, well, not hopefully, but if they win a title, maybe all this stuff doesn't matter. What's, what's that famous Drake quote? Heart in one place, mind in another. Like that's that's where Kyrie is right now. Yeah. All right, let's go to number one. Number one, Sarah Thomas will be the first woman to ever referee a Super Bowl. Lots of firsts for the females. Uh, just today, we had our first woman sworn in as the vice president. So a whole lot of firsts going around. Yeah, I mean, women have been breaking barriers in the NFL all season. We had the first all-woman crew uh, in the Buccaneers. I believe it was like week 16 game. Um, All-first referee crew. First all-woman referee crew. Um, So, you know, shout out. I'm I'm all for breaking barriers, man. I'm I'm absolutely all for hearing it. So, congrats to Tara Walsh. That's awesome. Um, One more thing, uh, just because it didn't fit in the countdown, but I found this stat that was just ridiculous. The Chicago Bears have never had a 4,000-yard passer in a 16-game era. The only team to ever do that. They've never had a quarterback throw for more than 4,000 yards. I mean, the, the Eagles the, barely they, made it under the wire. The Eagles did it once, and it was last year with Wentz. They still did it. I I, they still I did just, it. I, right. They still did it. In 04, he would have, but they benched him the last two games because they sewed up everything. He's like uh, 3,800, and then they benched him. I couldn't Interesting. That's that. a good one. That's a good Cause, one. Because like 5,000 is a milestone. 4,000 is like, all right, good, good year. In, in, today's, good NFL, year. in today's NFL, 4,000 is kind of like, I expect quarterbacks yeah. to throw for, for yeah, 4,000. The Jets have had one 4,000 passer ever, and it was the first person to ever have 4,000 passing yards. <laughs> you, gotta get, yeah, you gotta get off to a good start. 
Tragic. All right, we're almost out of time for this episode of Straight Facts. We can get some shots about the buzzer, though. Who wants to go first? Jake, got something to say at the buzzer? You're staring at me. Uh, I'm actually just staring at the camera. I'm staring at all of you. But uh, what I will say is I ventured into the stock market for the first time ever this past week. I've done some stuff with cryptocurrency. Um, and I, don't know, I was just interested in uh, taking a dip into some more legitimate stocks. So I own, you know, Tesla, Barstow, Penn, I guess it is. And Penn Interactive. A couple others. Tesla's yeah, gone it's fun. up in the past year. Like all yeah, I missed it. I'm sure I'll... I'm sure I'll get the downswing, but yeah, that's how things go. That's actually something I've done. Uh, I started doing that back in June, and I just check it every day, buy a little more when I'm up, and it's worked out. It's it's cool to keep track, and I'm I just went in on the crypto too. So good stuff. I bought, I bought twenty dollars of Bitcoin like five years ago. I saw it go down to like three dollars, and now it's back up to like thirty five. So <laughs> thirty five thousand. Yeah, thirty five thousand. Uh, no, I mean like twenty dollars. I put twenty dollars in. It really crashed and then it went back up. And now I yeah. made fifteen bucks. Only took five years to make fifteen bucks. <laughs> yeah, y'all got y'all got to teach me about the stock market, man, because there's money to be made out there. And I'm like the only person who, who who's not. But y'all shaking your head like, yeah, you're the only person that's not doing the stock market thing. So all right, one of y'all got to teach me that. Kyle got something to say at the buzzer. Got a shot to, to get up at the buzzer. Yeah, I just want to say uh, hello to my Aunt Amy. She showed a lot of interest in our podcast. We were going back and forth on text, on uh, phone calls, and uh, uh, she put a lot of people on, apparently. So shout out, Aunt Amy. I know you're a new listener of ours. Uh, I hope you're enjoying it, and thanks for the advice. There you go. Shout out, Aunt Amy. Aunt Amy. Amy. Thank you for schooling Kyle, because he probably needed whatever advice you gave him. I'm going to tell you, he probably needed it. (laughs) Matt, we got to say the buzzer. I'm, this isn't going to be every week, but I'm going to do hockey updates because we, let's do that hockey. I'm jumping let's on the hockey bandwagon before the playoffs. They're three and one. They had a really bad loss to Buffalo, but then bounced back the next night and beat them three nothing. Most points of any team in the NHL. Joel Farabee, Travis Konecki playing great hockey. Let's go Flyers. Let's do that hockey. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you in the playoffs. To be fair, I watched last night's game. That's all I've done in the past week. I I care. You know, when it gets close, I I actually do watch the Flyers games if if we're close. And then in the playoffs, I watch. So uh, I just can't get into it for the whole season. I'm I'm emotionally invested. Playoff hockey is electric. I you can't I can't watch a full one. Just let me know. Just let me know who won. And if they win, I'll be on Broad Street with y'all going crazy. If they if they win a Stanley Cup, but that's, <laughs> that's really all you get out. Like, of everyone's vaccinated by then, that we could actually have a parade. That'll be dope. Yeah, I, like if someone in Philly wins a parade, if so, you know what I mean. Like if someone wins a parade, it could be smallpox outside. They have a they have a parade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh, all I got to say at the buzzer is we know what happened today with the presidential inauguration, but I want to give a special shout out um, to First Lady Jill Biden. Uh, you know, uh, WCU alum, Matt knows down there. That's Ram Excellence down there. So we got a, a Ram in the White House there. It's, that's awesome to see. So shout out to, to uh, First Lady Jill Biden. And, um, you know, a, a new day is on the horizon. And we got some purple and gold up in the White House, man. That's that's, that's awesome to see. That's, that's great pride there for Westchester but um that's all the time we got for this episode of Straight Facts man it was a good one big ups to all my guys so for Stat Matt Robinson Kyle Sirik and my main man Jake Galley I am James Jackson these have been the facts straight up